Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. Remember to continue reaching out to your loved ones. Stay connected with each other, especially with your cell family. The Bible gives us a pattern to look out for one another. Let's speak His word and His strength will carry us through. Continue checking our social media platforms for updates on Facebook and WhatsApp. We encourage you to share this content with all your friends and family. Tune in to ZFM radio station every Sunday at 7.15pm for a time of devotion with Pastor Tom DeShell. I'm so glad to be with you this morning and I believe that as we continue on the message that God gave me from last week. Last week we talked about as in the days of Noah. And of course this week as in the days of Lot. We'll get to our text in just a minute, but uh, before we do that, you know, we live in a very peculiar age right now. God gave us this season of the uh, 2020 or the 5780, which is the Hebrew calendar, as the season of standing, of speaking, making declaration. It's kind of peculiar to me that in the year that God set forth is the year to speak, the year to have our mouths open, it would have everybody wearing masks in the world. I think there's something very, very peculiar about that. The enemy is trying to silence us from speaking, and especially for speaking truth. So today, as we look at this message, I want you to open your hearts, open your Bibles, open your minds, and Be open for discussion, discussion with your family, discussion with each other, and be ready to speak truth. Truth in the domains, in the areas that God's given you authority, and truth to your families, and truth to power. Let's delve in here. So my opening scripture today is found in uh, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It says, brothers and sisters... We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you are, do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. One version says a loud shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so... We will be with the Lord forever. Now listen to this. He closes this and says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Of course, he's talking about the rapture. He's talking about the taking away of the saints. And according to the Apostle Paul, as we see these end times approaching, we are supposed to comfort each other with these words. There are many indications that there is a rapture or a taking away of the saints from the conditions that are in the world. 
before there before the judgment comes. We see this in the life of Noah. Uh, last week when we talked about Noah, we see that God rescues Noah and his family in an ark. We're going to see that same thing this week as we look at the life of Lot. And once again, we're going to see a picture of God's saving power as in the days of Lot. Luke 17, 24 was our text last week, and it's our text again this week. It says, For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shines upon the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they did drink, and they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Here's our text for the day. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. See, the overarching theme in both the story of Noah and the story of Lot is that at the time, people were so caught up in the times and the ways that they were living that they were not able to perceive the spiritual things that were going on. I think another way of saying it is that they had no faith to believe in God. You know, Jesus tells the story of the unjust judge, which is a picture of the unjust world. And he makes the comparison with the just judge. That's God, our Father, who is, of course, long-suffering, not wanting that anyone should perish, but... uh, What he does is, Jesus leaves the story and us with a real pregnant question. Uh, In Luke 18, verse 8, he says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and he'll make sure that they get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's a big question. When Jesus comes the second time, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus knew that faith would be the issue. And this is the question I believe that both the story of Noah and the story of Lot pose to you and I at this time. As in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, so shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. Will there be faith? So, Genesis, the 11th chapter, is the first time that we hear about Lot. Now, Lot is Abraham's nephew. And there's four, four chapters, more or less, that teach us about Abraham and Lot, about their relationship, how they viewed the world, how they viewed God, and how they viewed each other. And I think it's important that we catch a glimpse of this before we get into the 19th chapter. The 19th chapter is where we see the Day of Judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah. So when we look at Lot, and we see how he behaved with Abraham before he ever went to Sodom and Gomorrah, we can get some insight into who Lot was and what his ideas were, what motivated him. And then if we overlay these ideas into our current situation, we really get a picture of what the church, the family of God, and some of the individual people in this family and in the world look like in these last days. You see, when we observe Abraham and what was happening between him and Lot, 
we can, by studying the patterns and the principles, gain some insight into how the church of God is relating in these last days. Genesis 12 and verse 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Abram, go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, God has always separated a people out for himself. God chose Abram. Abraham was an idol, idolater, but God chose him. He's also chosen you and I. He's chosen his church, his bride. It goes on to say in verses 4 through 5, it says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, Lot had gone with Abram, and uh, after some time, they both had become very, very successful, very prosperous. And that was primarily because of the blessing of his uncle, Abram. Lot was blessed because he went with Abram. In fact, in Genesis 13, it says, verses 5 through 13, it says, Now Lot, who had who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram comes to Lot and he says, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. What a magnificent heart, don't you think? Anyway, the Bible says that Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the Garden of God, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The, listen to this. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain. And it says, And he pitched his tent, or his tents, near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north, the south, to the east, and to the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Now, here's what happens. That's a lot of scripture, but here's what happens. There's a dispute that takes place between the shepherds. Now, remember this is a picture of the church, the picture of the church, how it is today. And we're viewing it through the eye of history, the history of Abram and Lot, and his herders and his shepherds, and, well, each other's shepherds. So we see the shepherds of Lot are disputing, or they're arguing with the shepherds of Abraham, or Abram. Abram, who was the elder, who was the one that God had really given all the promises to, the called one, deals very humbly with his nephew. 
But this is the part that is important for you and I to understand. The Bible says they separated. They parted. They parted ways. So when we look at Abraham's family, we are looking at what is happening today, as in the days of Lot, in the days of the family of God. They separated. This condition is happening in the body of Christ. Between the shepherds, uh, and it's happening in many families. Not separation necessarily by distance, but uh, a separation of heart. Genesis 14, verses 10 through 16 says, Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits, and when the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them. The rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. Boy, there's a depiction right there. Where was this man of God living? Where was Lot living? In Sodom. A man who escaped, the Bible says in verse 13, came and reported to Abram, the Hebrew. And now Abram was living near the great trees, or the tree, or the trees of Mamre. In, uh, it was an Amorite city. And he, uh, he was with uh, the, the brother of Eskel, an Aner, of whom were allies with Abram. And when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out 318 men that were trained and born in his own household. And they pursued the enemy as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men and he attacked them and he routed them, pushing them as far as Hobal, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with all of his people and all of his women. Lot is captured in a war. There's four kingdoms versus three kingdoms. Uh, I think this is a picture of what's happening today, what Jesus said about the time of his return. He says, that there would be war everywhere. There would be wars and rumors of war. Everybody seems to be at war with everybody. There's lots of political unrest. There's uh, lots of unrest in this nation politically. There's lots of unrest in this nation uh, in leadership. In this war, we see here in the Bible that the, the, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah lose the war. But on top of that, we see that Lot is captured and taken captive. and uh, The winning armies take Lot, his family, his wife, all of his possessions. And uh, by this time, Abram and, uh, is not Abram anymore. He's now become Abraham. And God has cut a covenant with him. and uh, There's blessing on his life. And he's had a visitation from God. So Abraham decides to rescue his nephew Lot. Now, this is all happening as a picture that's leading up to Genesis 19. But let's ask ourselves if the things that were present before the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah are present in the family of God today. Are they present in our world today? Like they were in the days of Abraham and Lot. They are. They're present today. In fact, there's three things that I see that are present today. First of all, in Genesis 13, 7, it says there was strife between the herdsmen. Strife, discord disunity. Does that sound like the church in Zimbabwe? 
or the world today for that matter? Does that sound like the way our government is in Zimbabwe and governments around the world are? How about in your family? How about your business? You see, this is taking place in the family of Abraham, fighting over the grass, the sheep, and the donkeys. There was, among believers, strife, discord, disunity. I'm not talking about denominational difference or uh, issues of doctrine or biblical issues that define us. No, I'm talking about the divisions that occur over things like grass, sheep, donkeys, water. Sometimes the most petty things uh, that the members of the family of God will fight over or get offended over uh, or will allow to create discord and disunity in the family of God. They're they're just simple things like grass, (laughs) sheep, and donkeys. Things like, who took my seat? Who took my parking place? Oh, I don't like the praise and worship. Oh, the preaching's too long or the preaching's too short or it's not deep enough. The offering's too long. Oh, there's just too much emphasis in this church on money. I don't like this. I don't like that. Strife. Discord. Disunity was happening. Strife among people who all believe in Jesus, but let jealous and competitive attitudes against each other. Is that a picture of where the church is today? How does this spill over into yours and my life, our families, our businesses, and even our society? Oh, there's so much jealousy, so much pettiness, so much misinformation, disinformation, strife, discord, and disunity. Secondly, strife brought about separation. I can just hear a lot saying, Uncle Abraham, I know that you have your way of following God, but I, I want to go a different way. Sodom looks pretty good to me. It's a nice, well-developed city. It's got a lot to offer. And that's where I want to go. I know that there are people there that are not living for God, but aren't we called to reach the lost? Aren't we called to make disciples of all nations? I can tell them all about God. I can be used to change them. Lot had chosen Sodom. Now, you'll see that as the story progresses, not only did Lot and his family live in Sodom, but they end up being prominent in the city. And they have lived there for a very long time. We're going to find out how effective his ministry was. The answer is a telling one. How many people left with him? You see, Lot wanted a house, not a tent. He was saying, I want security. I don't want to have to live by faith. I want to settle my family down. I don't want to move my family around in the desert. He had a desire for comfort over conviction. Compromise over principles. We're living in the last days. This is when backsliding becomes the new normal. You even hear preachers saying things like, well, we used to preach those things. But those messages, you know, messages like the blood of Jesus, like the atonement, like a call to repentance... Well, they're just so old-fashioned. We don't need to preach holiness. We don't need to preach discipline anymore. Those messages are archaic. You know, you see, we live in a world today that has bound itself up with Babylonian systems. The whole Babylonian system is so deeply ingrained in us 
that we can't think straight. The world doesn't think straight. We're tied up in knots with groupthink, the, pol- the politically correct, that mind-numbing, mind-controlling, media-driven, agenda-driven world that we live in is much like the conditions that prevailed in the city of Sodom in Lot's day. Worldly systems pumping out their so-called progressive ideas and such mind fog that if you dare be different or dare ask a few common sense questions or dare think outside of the narrative that is set by our great scientists and world bodies, you're considered to be a kook. You're considered to be a conspiracy theorist. Don't question, just obey. Mindlessly listen to those that are your minders and submit to their supreme wisdom. What's that doing for us? You see, there's so much pressure on the world today to drive for a vaccine for six billion people and then to monitor this through some kind of a chip or implant or DNA fix. I tell you, and this flies in the face of another part of the medical community, almost half, and especially those who believe that the body builds its own immunities. But if these pharma finance groups are not challenged, we will no longer have a free will. And we'll be forced to take the vaccine, the implant. And those of us with weak consciences or values will, for the sake of compliance and fear of what others might think, even eventually take the mark of the beast. On top of all this, we are now living in a world where there is so much indebtedness. We're no longer free. You say, we put God last. He's not first. We put Business before God. We put education in before God. Politics is before God. Medicine is before God. Making a living is before God. We're so caught up in this world, we're failing to understand that it was our relationship with God. It was our relationship with the churches, our relationship with the women of God that gave us our first successes in the first place. You see, I think that we're separating. And I think we're doing so in a very devastating way. The third thing I see is that Lot rejected true deliverance. In Genesis 14, verses 10 through 20, it says that, Now the valley of Sidon was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them. The rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and they went their way. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot, and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. Lot had been captured. It goes on to say in Genesis 14, verses 13 through 16, uh, that Abraham comes and he rescues Lot. He rescues Lot, he rescues his family. What's Lot's reaction to this rescue? He says, I'm going to go back to Sodom. The text doesn't say it really, but When you get to the 19th chapter, where do we find Lot? He's in Sodom. How many people do you know that have been rescued by the Lord? Over and over again. And they still say, like Lot, thanks, uncle, but I'm going back to Sodom. Come and visit me whenever you want to. You see, we we see these same issues that were operating in Abraham's family, operating in God's family today as in the days of Lot. So, 
Let's take a look at what's happening in the days of Lot, just before the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is the period of time that concerns you and I today. As our text says, it would be as in the days of Noah. It would be as in the days of Lot before the day of the return of the Lord. So Genesis 19, verses 4 and 5 says, Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we can have sex with them. As in the days of Lot. Well, as in the days of Lot, there is rampant immorality. But I want you to see something. Uh, Before we get onto those verses, if you go back to verse 1, it says, The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. Look, where was Lot? Lot was sitting in the gates of Sodom. What that means is that he was one of the ruling elders of the city. These men, these angels, came to the city to warn Lot that he was about to be destroyed, and the city was about to be destroyed because of the evil that was taking place in that city. Here he is, sitting at the gates of a city. You know, when you, when you, when you sit at the gates of a city in the Bible, that means that you're one of the elders, you're one of the rulers. All the business was done in the, in the city gates. This was the government of the day. This is the government of the city. Is, is this not a picture of our day, where we're living today? Especially many of our leaders in the city gates, the city gates of politics and business, as well as the church. You see, some people would rather have positions than standards. They'd rather have position more than character. They'd rather be called somebody and be, and be a somebody would have to display any character whatsoever. Where, where, where is Sodom today? Well, it's everywhere. We live in a world where if you and I as Christians say something is wrong, because we live in an age where wrong has become right and right has become wrong, we get treated like Lot. The men of the city said, Who made you our judge? Who are you to say that our wanting these strangers for sex is wrong? You see, it has become that if you begin to call things out, there's a violent reaction. Not only in the world, but now even more and more it's beginning to appear in the church. People say about you, what's wrong with you? Why, why, why are you bringing that topic up? Why are we talking about that? There's, there's a peculiar thing happening with believers. They're not able to discern the times. There's a, there's a dullness. There's a worldliness that is lulling people into kind of a stupor. There are fewer and fewer who are willing to speak truth to power. And many are even finding it difficult to hold a truth in their homes or their families as being absolute. Who are you to question me? Or such and such an idea. You see, we live in the Google generation. We seek information but not wisdom. We have facts, but little truth. I also see something else. I see the breakdown of the parent-child or the parent-children relationship. We see parents abandoning their children and children rebelling against their parents. Listen to what Lot says. 
In Genesis 19.5, it says, They called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him. And he said, No, my friends, don't do this thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you. and You can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men. For they have come under the protection of my roof. Let that sink in. Notice. Lot is using a terminology here. He's calling these men friends. In fact, one version says it this way. It says, please my brothers. And, and, and he's willing to give his virgin daughters to these friends, these brothers, so that they would leave the visitors, these heavenly visitors, these angels, alone. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, Don't you know that friendship with this world is enmity with God? But yet, Lot is willing to offer his virgin daughter so that they would leave his visitors alone and that they would leave him alone. See, they were threatening to do worse to him if they didn't give, if he didn't give these men over to their lusts. How many parents today are too busy? left their children to the internet, to predators, maybe even to aunts and uncles who have assaulted them, abused them, misused their children, or guards or maids or gardeners. Why? Because of an excuse? We're too busy? Or we have now a government that is willing to make decisions without fully understanding the full ramifications of their choices? I don't understand. In Zimbabwe, we have 46 to 50 cases of COVID and have no more than four deaths for the last month. But this warrants the total shutdown of our society. I think the cure is fast becoming more costly than the disease. Listen to the cry of a mother that I heard today, or this week, who who reached out on an open platform. She says, I'm 52 years old. I'm a woman, widowed, a mother of three children, a boy of 17 years old, Two girls, one of 15 and another 13. I'm an international civil servant, and I'm a practicing Christian. I'm not writing to you to look for a spouse, but to send a heartfelt cry to all parents and also to ask for advice. In fact, I live with my three children in my house. I'm usually at the office all day long, except weekends when I'm at home. And since the authorities stopped the classes, I have forbidden my children to go out. They are confined since the beginning. There's only the cleaning girl who comes to work and then she leaves. As for the children, I keep a close eye on them. But today I am overwhelmed by what is happening. Every month I check that my daughters are well because the older one has often had stomach aches when she is in good health. So I get along each time. But oddly enough, in April, she didn't show anything. And I noticed early signs of pregnancy. So I asked her to collect some of her urine for me yesterday morning. And then I did the GIT. 
which turned out positive. It didn't tell me much. In the evening, I went back to her room to discuss calmly with her to find out who's the author of this pregnancy. (sighs) To my great surprise, it is with tears in her eyes that she told me that it is her older brother and that since the cessation of classes, this is what they do at home when I'm not there. And even with the youngest, that's when I remembered that she too is not in period for a long time because her period began at the age of 11 years. So I understood and I undertook to do hers too. Unfortunately, it is the same case for her. Always calmly, I called my son to ask him what really happened. He admitted the facts with his sisters. And he has been out of the house since last night. And I haven't heard from him. I really need your advice. I'm devastated. I see my dreams shattered after so many years of consecration. My husband has been dead since 2009. And I am in charge of everything. I don't know what to do. I want to see my children grow up together, become responsible people. But with what is happening to me, I have no strength left in me. I've thought about abortion. But I'm a believer and my faith doesn't allow me. I need your advice. Please. We have many parents that even during this COVID crisis can't find a way to reach out to their children. In fact, their children are driving the agenda in the home, not the parents. Children speaking out. What do you want? Get out of my face. Get out of my hair. Let me tell you, what God wanted to do in Lot's day and in our day was to invade Lot's house. Just like last week when we spoke about Noah building an ark for himself and for his family. God is interested in the basic unit of society, the family. God wants love and restoration to come into our families. He wants you to lead your children to him. He wants to see his image in your children. The breakdown of relationships between parents and children is a picture of the days of Lot. Now, we can determine how effective Lot's life was by how many people left with him. How many people did Lot influence? How many people are you influencing? In your family? For God? For truth? For the kingdom? And then, one of the things I see is that in verse 11 it says that there was spiritual blindness. There's blindness. It says, then they struck the men who were at the door of the house young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. Here's the principle. The principle that any time that the scripture speaks of blindness, or or when blindness is put upon somebody in the scriptures, it's a type of being spiritually blind. 
That simply means that you're unable to grasp the truth. Do you remember uh, Saul? Saul in the book of Acts in the New Testament, who became Paul on the road to Damascus. He was blinded and couldn't see. Well, what really was happening is he couldn't understand who the Lord Jesus was. He couldn't really see what was happening. He hadn't understood that Jesus was the Son of God and that he had come to seek and to see, save both the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and because of that, he was struck with physical blindness, but it really revealed his spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness is what promotes political correctness. This will help you understand why there's so many politically correct people around today. They are blind to truth, and they're especially blind to the gospel. So they become rigid in things that carry no truth and no weight. See, Lot was hesitant. In fact, almost reluctant to receive the deliverance that he was being offered. Verses 12 and 13 says, The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. That's an interesting word, that word outcry, in this verse. The actual Hebrew language, it means the assault. It's better translated this way. We are about to destroy Sodom, this place, because the assault against God has become so great that the Lord has sent us to destroy this city. That's strong stuff. You see, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it was in the days of Lot. There was unrestrained violence and baseless hatred. As believers, you and I, we must determine to do whatever it takes to remain faithful. I will not go down to Sodom. In fact, I don't even want to live in the suburbs of Sodom. We have to choose to align ourselves with Abraham, the father of faith, the man that God called his friend. I'm going to stick with Abraham. I'm going to stick with the seed of Abraham. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. You see, in reality, you and I are in a war. This is a war that we have to fight, and we must fight to win. The question is, are we living as soldiers, or are we trying to live like civilians? Lot's war was messy, but so is ours. How did Lot survive? Well, the same way he survived is how you and I will survive. In Genesis 18, it says that the, verses 22 and 23, it says, the men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? You see, Abraham begins to intercede. He says, will you destroy the city if there's 50 righteous? And he begins to bargain. 40, 30, there's this dialogue that goes back and forth. 20, and finally he says, will you destroy the city if there's 10 righteous? Abraham thinks, surely there's ten righteous in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, I will not destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if you can find ten righteous. Man, do you realize that they couldn't find even ten righteous? 
And do you realize the consequences of not finding ten righteous people? It's amazing to me that the angelic visitors, God, Abraham, they all agreed that for ten righteous men, the city would be saved. I have a belief. It's not substantiated by the word, but I think Abraham could have asked for five righteous, and the story might have ended differently. But I want you to notice two things. The number didn't change. And God does take notice, both of unrighteousness and of righteous men. See, I believe it only takes a few righteous people to make a really big difference. God says, because of my friend Abraham, if you can find ten, I will not destroy. Anyway, back to Genesis 19. Let's close up here. So the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them, and he bowed down to the ground with his face. So, like I said before, notice where Lot sat. He's still sitting at the gate. The destruction of the city is about to happen, but where is he at? He's sitting at the gate, like last week. It's business as usual, eating and drinking, planting and building, doing whatever we're doing. As in the days of Noah, so it was in the days of of Lot. Genesis 19, verses 15 through 16. It says, With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here with you, or you're going to be swept away with, when the city's swept away. When the city's punished, you're going to get swept away. The Bible says that when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. And it says, because the Lord was merciful to them. <laughs> Lot is slow to really believe that this event is really about to happen. With angels leading him, verse 16 says, he hesitated. He had angels and he hesitated. Look at verses 12 through 14. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Here's the question. Whose life have you influenced here? Do you have sons-in-laws? Do you have sons or daughters? Is there anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're about to destroy the place. <sighs> Lot couldn't even get his own son-in-laws to come. His two daughters and his wife is all that he could get. Not even five. <sighs> the outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. That's what the angel said. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord's about to destroy it. He's about to destroy the city. And this is what the Bible says. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. See, I think the world thinks that the return of Jesus, the destruction of this world, judgment of God is a joke. It says the men seized his hand. The men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. These angelic beings had to pull him, bring him out of the city. The pull of the city was so strong on his life. The allure was so powerful that he and his family had to be led by the hand. Genesis 19, verses 23 through 29 says, By the time that Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. And the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. 
from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from the furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Here's an important thing. God remembered Abraham. How do you survive the pandemic? How do I survive it? How do we survive the impending financial collapse or the medical condition that you're facing or the marriage or the family situations that are arising or have arisen in your life? I've got good news for you today. Jesus told us. This is one of my favorite scriptures. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, it says, Jesus speaking to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, I want you to strengthen your brothers. I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. The Apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. See, our Heavenly Father has never refused to answer a prayer that Jesus prayed. He never will. Thank God. Jesus is standing in the gap and is making intercession for you and for me. Just as Abraham and for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and for his nephew Lot. Oh, Abraham couldn't save the cities, but because of his intercession, he was able to save his nephew and his family. But it comes down to a faith issue. Can you, today, can you believe that God is working in your life? Can you believe that he is working in your situation in the midst of what's happening right now? Is Jesus working on your behalf? Or are you going to be a statistic like Lot's wife who looks back, not trusting in God, nor in the angels that he sent, nor in her husband, nor even in Abraham? She chose to hold on to something that was perishing. She looked at Sodom. You see, much of what you experience with God has to do with your faith. What do you believe? Can you see God leading you through the storm? Or do you feel like you're on your own? You need to figure things out for yourself. We need to, we, you know, God couldn't heal people. God couldn't give a natural immune system. We, no, we've got to have a vaccine. We've got to figure this out. We've got to be God. There's a lot of things that we need to think about. What does the Bible say? 1 Thessalonians 4.18 It says, Therefore, when you see all these things happening, as in the days of Lot and the days of Noah, encourage one another with these words. Jesus is coming. Oh, I know this. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. 
But I can sure tell you, for sure, one thing. We see the patterns in Scripture that allows us to see the gathering storms. We get to know the season of his coming. And we need really get to prepare our hearts to be in faith. One thing I know for sure, now is that time. Last week, we saw that in the days of Noah, there was no faith for people to enter into the ark by any of those who were perishing. God saved Noah and his family. It says, by their faith. Today, we see that in the days of Lot, there was no faith. In fact, even Lot needed to be persuaded by the angels at the behest and intercession of Abraham to leave the city. I believe that now is the time for us to encourage one another. It's the time for us to come to faith. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that each of the people under the sound of my voice would really stir themselves up to not be hearers of your word, but to be doers. The Father, that they would stir themselves to faith, that they would trust in a living God and not in all the multitude of voices that are in the earth today. Father, I'm asking that you would speak into the hearts of those who have been hardened through deceit, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, the pleasures of this world. Father, I'm asking that you would cause a grace to come upon our families, upon our family times together, upon our churches, upon the nation. Father, somehow reach into the hearts of the leaders of this nation let them have compassion for your people. Now, Father, help us to come to faith, we pray. In Jesus' name. If you don't know Jesus today, there's a number at the bottom of the screen. It would be really good to call that number, pray with somebody. If you're having a struggle, you don't have to go through it alone. There are people that you can talk to It'll help you. Or help you get to somebody that can help you. We need each other now more than ever. We need to intercede for each other. We need to know this. Jesus has prayed for us. Let's trust him. Let's go through the storm together. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms, Facebook and WhatsApp. And tune into ZFM radio station later today at 7.15 p.m. Central African time for devotions with Pastor Tom DeShell. As we go, stay safe, stay blessed, stay connected.